Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Sue, and today we have Tony Stubblebine from Lyft, which is a mobile app that helps you um, create great habits and makes you become a superhuman. So, Tony, how are you doing today? Hey, Eric. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, why don't you give us a little background on yourself and then, you know, how you, uh, you know, eventually came upon Lyft? Yeah, you know, I'm a longtime uh, startup worker, right? I've probably worked for four or five startups at this point, two that I founded myself. And, uh, you know, and really, I think about my whole career as what is the most impact I could make on the world? And so when I, when I was spinning out of my last company, I, was, I really was like just looking around like, what is the thing that is, no one else is doing right now that we could really uh, bring to the world? And it, just, like, it was obvious that there's so much knowledge out there about personal coaching that, like, that, that the, like, if you could package that up and put that in a mobile phone, like, that, like you said, anyone could be superhuman. All you have to do is like have the right support, right? And I mean that's the secret of success, right? Anytime you turn like you actually look into someone who is killing it, you know it's not some like innate talent. It's like they worked it. And one of my investors, Biz Stone, who's also one of the Twitter founders, he has this phrase: "It took it took him ten years to become an overnight success." And like that's like that's the mantra, right? For Lyft. Got it. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I mean, you know, what is I think what is the overall long term goal of Lyft? What do you see it doing for people? Well, the you know, it's funny for you to say habits because it, it's really like in the first version we were really trying to nail behavior design, like what it like what is the support that you can automate and put into an app app mm-hmm. form. But what what the Lyft 2.0 is about is really is about creating a coaching platform or really a marketplace that has two sides. And that other side is, you know, the experts of the world who are either like, you know, working at your gym coaching you or writing books, right? Like all of that, all of their knowledge is locked up for no good reason. Right? It's really just locked up because they don't, you know, they don't know how to get it out to you. And um, so long term it, it's that is to like be be a, an actual personal coach that could cover any goal and it like it's big stuff from weight loss to a marathon to being more productive uh, to being you know more you know emotionally uh, steady right like I I think about um, you know my job as an entrepreneur and lately I've been really uh, Pimping meditation as like one of the fundamental skills for entrepreneurship. Yeah, I got a thumbs up from you, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's kind of amazing how hard this job is, um, just from like a psychological standpoint. I don't mean like you know it's like you're a head case and you're really unhappy or depressed or manic depressive, right? It's just like it's really like you're jumping from one high pressure situation to another. And you're not born with that skill. I mean, like we're told over and over again in productivity that multitasking is like just ruins you, right? Mm-hmm. But we've all specifically taken jobs where that are defined by multitasking. So, you know, I like right before this this podcast, I was doing something completely different. But then I have to like just completely reorient myself in order to talk to you about 
you know, about human potential and, and uh, training yourself to be better. And like the skill that I turn to over and over again is meditation, which is really practicing um, the, you know, control of your own focus. And so then there's this question of like, how do you meditate? And it turns out one of the best ways to learn to meditate is by having a guide to sit down with someone and, uh, and have them talk you through it like step by step. And a lot of times people get tripped up by their own doubts about whether or not they're meditating correctly because your mind is wandering and you're always, part of you is always hoping that your mind won't wander. Mm -hmm. And so that's the point of the coach is to say, oh, your mind probably wandered right now, you know, just then. Why don't we bring it back to your breath? And so Lyft has put out a collection of guided meditations because we know people that have, that are great teachers, right? And, you know, just put that into the app and we're doing yoga and we're doing some high intensity interval training after that, mm. right? Like just a lot of that extra oomph that gets you from, you know, kind of like practicing or kind of working at something to actually nailing it and being excellent. Got it. Okay, cool. So, I mean, in terms, and I, and I might be using Lyft completely wrong because I've, I've been using it since it came out, but I'm still using it just to mark down like what I've done. Am I completely missing something right now? Maybe the audience can, maybe you can tell the audience. No, you, you know, it's like, I think we're going to be able to take the original community all the way into the 2.0 world, right? It's like, the rich, you know, the difference between uh, a habit and a goal, really, from our, from a behavior designer standpoint is that people that are working on habits already know what to do. They're just not doing it, right? Mm -hmm. People that have a goal, like a lot of times they don't know how to do it yet, right? So mm -hmm. if you're working on meditation as a habit, what you're saying is I already know how to meditate. I'm just not doing enough of it, uh. right? So, you know, you're using Lyft for all of the things you already need to to do, you already know how to do, mm -hmm. and you're just using it sort of, Lyft is the, this coach that is like helping with accountability, yep. right? You know, check in, see your progress, right? And that's the simplest form of coaching that we can do. And we're just like, we're just deep, all we're really doing is deepening that. So, you know, in the future, when you have some goal that you don't know how to do, we wanna make sure that we, we hit, hit that as well. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Cool. So um, I always like to ask the question, um, you know, to, to the entrepreneurs I'm interviewing. Um, you know, how did you, how did Lyft get the, you know, the first hundred users, and then how'd you get the the, the next, you know, thousand? Um, I, I think we're, we're like a weird use case there. You know, because we launched with a, a fair amount of undeserved press just because of our investors. Mm. So like the, you know, um, one of our board members and investors and really the person who co-designed the first version with me is Evan Williams who mm -hmm. is the CEO of Twitter and Lyft is actually the first project that he worked on after leaving Twitter and so there's this this incredible as soon as word got out that we were doing something mm -hmm. you know we put up a you know beta sign up and 50,000 people signed up wow okay. so <laughs> so the question is how like how do you put yourself in a position where fifty thousand people are going to sign up on day one? Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of twenty year olds are like are trying to say, okay, like I need to figure this out today, and I just think that's crazy, right? Like the the way I put myself in that position is that ten years prior, 
I quit some boring corporate job and started doing the most interesting startup work I could find and then made friends with everyone that I could. And then over the course of a 10-year uh, startup career, I had my own reputation and I had you know, people with also high reputations that wanted to work with me. And I, th I think that's the kind of the um, undervalued strategy of marketing is to just recognize the value of time. Right, mm -hmm. that it, you don't like you don't necessarily have to have your overnight success today. What you want to be looking for are things that have long-term value and that compound. And for me, one of those things has just been relationships. Right, they like one of the things that have, that does have long-term value in Silicon Valley is you know your reputation and uh, um, you know do you act with integ integrity? Do you work well with people? And, uh, you know, it's like, I have the same answer for when people ask me how we raised money. You know, well, I raised money by having coffee with Ev. But how, you know, how is it that I got to have coffee with Ev? Mm -hmm. And I mean, you just can't discount that work, right? Yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I like the whole, I, I like the whole compounding analogy because I always tell the audience, you know, everything's like, uh, think of it as a, like a compounding stock. Um, but that's exactly I what know. it is. Who, who's your favorite entrepreneur of all time? Uh, you know what? It's, it's got to be Elon Musk. I mean, just because of yeah. what he's, he's done. Because he's so ballsy. Yeah. You know, the, the thing, I like Elon Musk, like I'm a fan, but I wouldn't ever call him my favorite entrepreneur because I just don't see how what he does is repeatable. Like he doesn't empower me. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always answer that question by saying, like, Warren Buffett is my favorite entrepreneur of all time. And not because he's rich, but because he explains what he does in a way that makes you feel like you could do it as well. That's where I got it from. No, you're exactly right. That's where I got it from. Yeah, yeah. right. Because it, it's like too. Yep. The, the compounding interest is really like, right, that his biography is called Snowball. Mm -hmm. And the, it's a, just a metaphor of, like, get up, go to the top of a really steep mountain pack yourself a snowball and then just roll it downhill and it's got, like get bigger and pick up momentum as it goes down, right? Like a lot of people don't do that. They do a lot of trick marketing mm -hmm. that's like, oh, you know, like I tell my team, like if we got an article in GQ and then followed that up with an article in Cosmo, we wouldn't have done shit, mm -hmm. right? Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, no, totally. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would not have done shit and that's exactly how I explain it to the team, right? Like, that we would have two little blips that wouldn't mean anything. And I, th I think, you know, we have the option of kind of taking these gifts. Like, I'm not going to say no. Mm -hmm. And just like, but, you know, it gets harder when Apple wants to feature you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, at, when Apple features us, it's crazy traffic. But we just think of that as a gift because it doesn't change the fundamentals of, of the company, right? Like, either Lyft is able to grow on its own or it, it's not. And one or two featurings from Apple, like it means we have more users, but it doesn't actually change whether or not we know how to grow our company. And so we're, you know, we're pretty good about understanding then uh, what where what is a fundamental driver of growth. You know, it's like audience building or SEO, right? Like yeah. those things kind of have fun, like compounding long-term uh, impacts, whereas. Um, you know, like I feel like press is not only matters if they're link because they're linking to you, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, the traffic that it drives is nice, but not actually yep. um, that that killer except just to bootstrap you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, those those bikes aren't that sustainable. It's it, it's completely sustainable right. is yeah. the right is the right word. Yeah. yeah, cool, great. So yeah, you know, kind of going off on on that, you know, our our little growth uh, talk right now. I mean, how you know, what are you guys doing to growth day? What are some things that um, are noteworthy? Yeah, so, um, I think we spent such a long period in just figuring out the right product, right? That uh, and still we're probably like a month or two from this lift two thing that we're talking about, like really having all the pieces lined up. So one of my one of my tricks is just simply how how do you keep your community engaged that long? Mm. You know, one of the things that we're known for is writing really extensive release notes, which I, I think is like a super counterintuitive tactic because if you're like a growth hacker and you know how to run the metrics on that, it, it's like they're terrible. Right, like what what number of people do you think what percentage of people do you think read the release notes? Like I two? One? I was, I was gonna give the benefit of the doubt and say five, but two sounds yeah. better. <laughs> you know, I finally uh I actually finally found a way to sort of test it, which um uh we do continuous deployment where we like release almost all of the time. So I'm writing a lot of release notes, and also we're releasing a new version of the app like every two weeks. And one of the effects of that is that our reviews get wiped out every time, right? And mm-hmm. that ends up making us look really weird in the app store. And uh, but you know, I hate begging for reviews over and over and over again. And so finally, it dawned on me we could just ask for reviews in the in the release notes. And so uh, did that for the first time. And we got 35 five-star reviews in the first day. Nice. So that's my metric. 35 people read our release notes, right? <laughs> but like, I can't. It's got to be the number one thing that I hear, like over and over and over again. And it, you know, and I think the the reason I hear about it from people is that it's differentiated. That. It's a thing that we do that no one else does. So actually, I like I would not recommend that anyone that's listening actually like copies us and tries to write extensive release notes because it just wouldn't stand out anymore. And it's not, and it's also a lot of work. And as I say, there's not that many readers. But it was an opportunity that we saw to like continue to look special, even though we were really changing a lot. And then the other thing that we do is like you know, Lyft is like covers a lot of topics and you know and so as we put out um, uh, as we put out and really like hone a topic like then like we have our own just SEO strategy around each of those topics and uh, that was again only really possible in the last couple weeks I would say that we had a topic that we felt like we owned well enough that we should be the go-to spot and that we had content around it that that we could really drive, but like going back to meditation, right? Like we just mm-hmm. put out this great collection. We uh, released it in uh, and uh, along with our own like uh, guide and uh, re- and that guide was backed up by original science and research that we'd done ourselves. So like it's a high authority uh, landing page for starting meditation. And you know, we just started our, you know, it's in a way sometimes once you know what, what's going on, it's kind of boring, right? It's yep. like, you know, like, please, when you post it, I might give you a link to our meditation collection since I've talked about meditation like 
five times already in this podcast. And when you post this podcast, I'd love if you include this link, right? Meditation, right? there you go. I got yeah, you. Right? <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, we just put that out on Lifehacker and like all the other podcasts that I've talked about meditation on, just like we just went back to them and said, hey, you know, we finally have a resource for what, to, you know, what I had been talking about for meditation. And like, you know, I forget, you know, Google's weird. It could like turn itself around in a couple of days or it could turn itself around in a month. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's kind of a no brainer yeah. that, uh, you know, when you look at meditation, you know, how to meditate or start meditating. Like Lyft is going to be one of the those top options. Got it. Yeah, and I, I think you guys are um you, you know I, I hate I don't like to use the word content marketing that much um but you know you guys are it's, it sounds like you guys are getting a little more aggressive with that because I know one of your people reached out and said hey you want to do an interview on meditation right so I I think that's that's something great to share that um you know you guys are being really aggressive with SEO in general. Yeah, you know it's actually for a long time I thought S. SEO is, might be, actually be dead. I mean, this because I'm an engineer, and so <laughs> yeah. it's like I'm just sort of like guessing at things. Mm-hmm. But then uh, we we um, we left open a piece of the site, like uh, a C, basically a content management piece of the site, with no real spam protections and no like you know like just no barrier to someone coming in. Mm-hmm. And these guys came in and over a three day period put. Put in ten thousand pieces of content, and uh, and on day three, Google was sending us one hundred fifty thousand hits a day. There you go. Right? Like, and I was like, oh wow, those like, on the, like we had to shut the spammers down. Yeah. But I was also amazed by how effective it was. Mm-hmm. That, like they just totally actually turned me back on to SEO. Yeah. Like wow, if they can do that in three days, then like imagine what we can do as a force for good with actual like. Um, uh, you know, like we get real high quality links because we're actually, you know, pushing something that it works and is high quality itself. So, no, I'm glad. Well, again, snowballing, compounding interest, right? Um, no, but I'm glad that um, a lot of engineers are kind of turned off to it. I've found in the past when I used to work with them, like in house. Um, but I'm, you know, it's it's really rare to find an engineer that says, "Hey, this stuff actually works." You know, um, go out and try it. So I, I think that's that's. That's a win for we, SEO. <laughs> we, well, I think, I mean, there's, there's still reasons to be turned up. You know, the thing that I hear really from my board and also from, you know, the team, and also this is what I believe, is like, mm-hmm. like the point of entrepreneurship is to make a positive impact in the world. Otherwise, like, why are you bothering with this? And, um, and, uh, and so, it, like, it's not enough to hire, like, a team of 10 interns to write low-quality yeah. content, right? Like, that doesn't... You, like we just we pre-filter those options out because that doesn't make any positive impact in the world. But like, like we did our own like actual science research on how to succeed at meditation, right? Like, and that's not what we're leading with. But it's what for us gives us like that authority and that confidence to say, look, we should be the like if I were to manually write the results for how to meditate, like I would put Lyft at the top because. Mm-hmm. I, I really honestly don't know of a better resource than that. And so given that, you know, we're starting, you know, from our own, like, sort of uh, uh, moral high ground, right, then, yeah, like, it makes it a lot easier to be like, okay, you know, what do you, what do you have to do in order to make that happen? And, uh, yeah, we're doing it. Nice. Cool. So, you know, let, let's, I guess we can talk about some of the data. I mean, if you're, you know, whatever you're willing to share is great. I mean, what kind of fascinating trends are you seeing with, with the app right now? Hmm. 
like just in terms of uh, uh, like success rates? We can look at success rates, or maybe we can compare it to like you know how OKCupid okay had their OK Trends blog and shared you know interesting data. Yeah, you know, like I'm curious. We could have a little bit of debate around uh, around some diet data that we just put out. So one of the hardest things for me to talk about is success rates okay. for this really simple reason of, you know, I'm not sure wh where the appropriate starting point is. Like, you know, like if, I, if you told me today that you would love to be like to run a marathon one day, I don't know, maybe you've already run a marathon. I, I do want to run a marathon, just FYI. I've never run one. So let's, let's, right. yeah, let's go down. But there. like what are the odds that you're going to run one with, within the next three months? Like close to zero, you know, not zero, but close to zero, right? Uh huh. Like, but then what are the odds if you signed up for a marathon training plan? Then they're like, it's actually on day one, probably 15%. But then there's like on week two, then you're at like 40%, right? And so it's this like, when you tell someone, what, you know, what's the success rate, you know, it's really hard to know where where it is to start measuring, right? So, mm -hmm. so we just did this diet research project where we took ten different diets and actually worked with UC Berkeley to turn it into like a real mm -hmm. academic study with control groups and randomized assignment. And uh, and so, if you finished the study, there was a seventy five percent chance you would have lost weight, and the average weight loss was like two percent of your body weight, which would be like three or four pounds over a month. And that, that's as an average, right? Like, of course, you know, of course, a lot of people lost more than that. So that's a real, to my mind, that's a great success rate. Wow. But if you were merely to have said, uh, I, I want to do this study, there is only a 12% chance that you would have lost weight by four weeks later that we know of. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people say, I want to do this diet. And then don't, like, actually, you know, then we lose them in the kind of the flow. In, or they don't come, they don't take, actually do the, the step of, uh, I am doing this diet, the day one, right? So, like, if, you know, in, our, in, the, in the study, if someone uh, did the diet for one day, then there was a 24% chance that we could verifiably prove weight loss. Uh, like, you know, the chance actually doubled, right? And so, like, when you hear a 24% success rate, do you, is that motivating or demotivating? And I find, like, that's, like, a really kind of challenging question, right? Because, like, you know, I, actually, like, the diet advice, if you follow it, is great. Like, has a really high success rate. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you may just choose not to follow it, right? What do you think? I so you're saying going from twelve twelve percent to twenty four percent is you're saying is is that what the increase is? Yeah. So I but think, then, but then eventually to seventy five percent, right? It's yeah. like it's really about you know consistency, right? And uh, and you just you know it's like uh, like almost all advice is good. It's just really a question of do you want to follow it? I think that's more of like a marketing part thing. You know, if we change yeah. the headline where it's just like, okay, you can double your success rate. Fuck yeah, let's do it, right? But if you yeah. tell me twenty four percent, I'm like, uh, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, that's just how we're conditioned, I think, right now. Yeah, people are bad at math. I mean, it's actually better to not have any math in your headlines at all. Um, uh, yeah, 
Cool. So I, I mean that I mean that's like, but that for us that's kind of the fun of the data is uh, you know we you know we can tell people look like all right you signed up for this thing you double your success rate if you come back tomorrow and uh, you know one of our one of our one of the graphs we really like is what is the percent based on what uh, step you are on like if this is the first time you meditated or the second or the third or the fourth. What's the percentage chance you're going to come back? You're going to do the next one, right? And I, I think it starts at like forty percent, and there's somewhere around day uh, ten, eleven, or twelve, and it sort of is different depending on how hard uh, the goal is. That's when there's a ninety percent chance that you're going wow. to come back the next day, and so. That that's one of the things that I really like because for us, that's the measure of commitment. Like if you're not committed enough to get yourself into the second week, then you're really you are going to struggle, and it's going to be you know you sh we shouldn't count on you succeeding. But if we can get you into the second week, um, and you know Lyft does a lot to try and help you get there, but uh, if we can get you into the second week, then then you've got yourself a habit, then you've got yourself a, a routine. Got it. Okay. Cool. So, you know. Obviously, you guys are going to continue to get more users, collect all this data. I mean, you know, we talked about OK Trends. Is there any plan to have like a blog that's going to like show all these cool trends, infographics, graphs, whatever? Uh, well, I mean, this is a great marketing lesson for us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we've put out the data, and it's kind of interesting, and certainly there's a quantified self crowd that likes it, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, people don't like that nearly as much as they like the success stories. Right, and I think you know, like the logical part of me, the part of me that freaking loved the OK trends, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, the curious part of me just says, like, yeah, of course we're going to be putting out data because, like, we can't help ourselves. Like, I just I want to know what works, and so I really I can't help myself but to put out that data. But it it's the like, what is the audience for it? And more and more, we find the audience for it is actually. Uh, insiders, right? Like one of the things that happened when we did this diet research is that a bunch of other diets um, won, won in because they like we validated that each of the diets work, and that actually has like a benefit to them. And uh, so now there's like you know 20 other diets that have never been scientifically proven to work that mm -hmm. are like, wait, you're just like for free proving, you know, you know, like giving scientific weight to stuff. And like when I say that, I mean like this is a going to be an actual academic paper. Mm -hmm. So uh, like and so like, do we get like do we put out a press release about this data and try and get like a hundred thousand people to read the post? I mean, I'm not sure that that many people want to, mm -hmm. but uh, the people that it actually really triggered are the the authors of other diets and. I mean, that's the part of the marketing that we really didn't talk about, but as Lyft moves in more and more into coaching and being a two-sided marketplace, anything that we can do that that incents the coaches to market on our behalf is like is good. Totally. Yeah. So, okay, you guys are going to continue to grow all of this. I mean, I'm sure you're, you're asked this question all the time, right? I mean, you know, how, how does Lyft plan to make money in the future? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the good news is we don't think there's any reason to ever do something, some BS like advertising or selling data behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. That there's like, I think of Lyft as this very coherent company where everything that we do is kind of 
kind of ends up being a win-win. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these ways to make money that uh, that make the user more successful and bring them a feature that they wouldn't have otherwise. And one of the ones that we've been testing is accountability coaching, where you actually have someone watching over you, a real person, and it had you know had basically the effect of doubling people's success rate in, in their goal, right? But like going back to why I love that as a really coherent uh, strategy is like it's not some artificial freemium, right? Mm-hmm. Like I literally can't bring a real person to watch over you unless we, you know, bring some money to bear. Mm-hmm. And it, the money is actually a commitment device. So like every part of it uh, um, ends up being good, and it's good for coaches who don't have a lot of like have a lot of gaps in their day and. Uh, you know, I think we could do a lot for them too to to really solidify uh, their business. Got it. And I'll tell you what, I would pay for that. So yes, I'll, I'll be one of the first testers. Um, what it works? Yeah, That's, you should pay for it. <laughs> no, uh, I agree. It's I, I like the way you framed it too. It's it's more of the if you pay, it's more of a commitment thing. So I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Cool. All right. So in terms of um, you know, you wrote a blog post on Medium. You know, the science of Lyft. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Like some key takeaways from that post. Yeah, I mean, so uh, it's really a lot of the Lyft research on the behavior design. This is, all right, you know, we say we're coaching you, but what we mean is, like, you have a goal and we want to apply everything that we know about psychology towards helping you be more successful. And uh, a lot of that comes from a researcher at Stanford, B.J. Fogg, Mm. and he has this model, he calls it the BMAT model. And I did a seminar with him and he actually teaches everyone in the seminar how to teach the BMAT model in two minutes or less, which ends up being this really like hot trick. Like I raised money by uh, the second time I raised money, I was in a partner meeting with like seven VCs and they asked me about the science and I was like, well, let me teach you the science and it's going to take two minutes. Um, but the gist of it is like when it comes to applied psychology, there's so much at your fingertips. What you really need is a framework for thinking about it and BMAT is like says you know break it down into three areas can you motivate the person can you make can you affect their ability basically can you make it easier and then the T is can you trigger the behavior which Lyft does from reminders so it like if you think about the Lyft kind of coaching stack like you come you come in either for in instruction from a coach which is an ability uh angle or just to track you know your progress which is uh, is really a motivational angle it like gives some accountability to what you're doing and sometimes a lot of people are prompted to come in because they've set up reminders and lift which would, would be a trigger and then um, there's the whole uh, support and reinforcement and celebration angle that's coming from the community or coming from us and that's also uh, hitting you know hitting the motivational centers and so you know like uh, you probably a lot of people have heard all this stuff. It's operant conditioning. It's how you would, you know, apply ros- positive reinforcement for you know almost any kind of training. Okay. Yeah. No. I think I think so. First of all, the audience needs to get lift. Second of all, yes. if if you if the audience can Google "Tiny Habits" by B.J. Fogg, I think that would help um, add a lot of insight as well. I think that's super easy to understand. You start small first, and then you start to nudge yourself to do these things. For sure. Um, Cool. So, uh, two more questions from from my end, right here. Um, you know, what what's one productivity hack that you can share with our audience? Wait, one productivity tip? Hack? Yeah, tip, hack, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
that's a good one. Uh, you know, there's so many, right? It's the the one that that I focus on actually is to block out my calendar, mm. right? Like when I show up for the day, and like, and people do this a bunch of different ways, but essentially, like, naive productivity hacks are around volume, like how many to do lists mm-hmm. or to do items do check off. And like everyone who's good at productivity actually focuses on how focused are you during your day. Mm-hmm. And so when I come in, the first thing I try to do when I sit down at my desk is figure out what my actual priorities are for the day and then block it out in the calendar. And one of the, really it's actually a decision-making hack for myself. Because if I just write it, write it down on a list, I always write down too much, right? Mm-hmm. But if I write it down on a calendar, at some point, I just run out of time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd put my top priorities into the calendar, make time for everything that I that I want to make time for, and um, and then just go. And then my other, my second, that I feel like though that even though that's the most important productivity tip, is actually the most like it's so boring, right? <laughs> like basically, what I'm saying is be a good boy, you know, be a good boy and work on what what matters, right? And so I have this other one that I really enjoy, which I, what it is is I have a, a scripted responses to people that I don't want to talk to, right? And I don't know if you have this where, like, people are always getting, like, you know, you're getting calls or emails, right? And um, I used to get calls all the time because, like, my phone number was associated with the business. And, uh, and you know, like, if, so if you just hang up, it puts me in a bad mood, yeah. right? Like, like I'm having a happy day and now I'm angry at someone and even though I've technically hung up on them, I'm still angry, right? <laughs> so my scripted responses are super polite, but they actually involve hanging up. So like if I get a call, I go, oh, thank you for your call, but we're actually not interested in that type of service. Have a good day, pause, goodbye, click, right? And, uh, and then if they call back, I actually say that pause out loud and and then they start to get that it's really a script, right? But the thing is, like, everything I said was polite, and I wasn't really listening to anything that they were saying. Like, no one ever is like, oh, you didn't want to hear from me? Okay, sorry, you know? Like, uh-huh. no one ever apologizes, right? Yeah. You know, they're, like, they're, like, trying to interrupt you, right? Yeah. But I just stick to the script, and it's, like, and then I always feel good about myself for, like, you know, uh, sticking to that script, and so like, there's a couple of variations of that. Uh, I have a, a contact in my address book called "Do Not Answer," mm. and so anytime I get a phone call that I don't want to get again, I just add them to that contact. And so that's like now uh, a couple times a week, you know, I'll look at my phone; it's ringing, and it'll say "Do Not Answer," and <laughs> I'll just be like, "Awesome! Like productivity <laughs> hack successful." Um, I actually learned that from one of the founders of General Assembly. Like nice. his phone rang and it was and it said "Do not answer," and it, it just started cracking up. So, you know, you know, like we're not like you know we're like sort of successful, right? But like we're like our investors are are like so like so many people are reaching out and trying to get a piece of their time, and that's something I learned from Ev is like he's really good at figuring out where does he want to put his time and where doesn't he. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that polite no, that polite but firm no, that doesn't invite any sort of debate, 
just ends up coming up over and over again because you want to be in control of you know where you put your energy. No, I love it, and you know, th- thanks for letting me through the filter. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I I love doing interviews. You know, mainly I feel like you learn so much. Just like I learn stuff from you, and uh, I really appreciate the time. Yeah, totally. No, lo- love having you on the show. Um, final question from my end. Um, so. What's one must-read book for entrepreneurs besides besides Snowball? Which Snowball, is a book. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, uh, I did, I really enjoyed reading Hatching Twitter the, this year, dude. That and is so, a. Well, so why did you like it? I think to be able to like, uh, there's just a lot of drama involved. So like, you know. Just reading it, just like wow, this is what really happened, and this is the shit that actually goes on when you, you know, quote unquote, start to make it, right? You got to like watch your back. So that's kind of the lesson that I got from it. Um, so that's what I got out of. But I'd love to hear from you, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I actually know a lot of the inside information because I was right. the, you know, I was the first startup I worked at. I was the head of engineering at Odeo, mm-hmm. which is what Twitter spun out of, and Ev was my boss, and I was Jack's boss. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like. I actually gave Jack a raise, right? And I don't think that money ended up mattering to him in the long run. But the uh, like, so I got to see like a lot of that stuff from the early standpoint. And I, you know, one of the things that I always take away from that book is that like drama is not the same as scandal, right? Mm-hmm. That like hurt feelings does not equal scandal, mm-hmm. and that for the most part, you know, they were reacting to a really hard time. And, um, and I just like, I love that part of the success story, right? Because, you know, every time you dig into some success story and actually hear the truth, it's messy. And for those of us who are trying to succeed, it's actually a disservice to hear success stories that are smooth and quick, right? You know, like maybe, you know, it's funny actually, when you hear about lottery winners, a lot of times they play the lottery all the time. So even for someone that's like an overnight success story, like like you know, you can't get like more luck than the lottery. Mm-hmm. They still tell you they've been pay- playing the lottery for ten years, right? Mm-hmm. And like everything has this story of like really you know working hard and it's messy and it's hard and it's challenging and uh, you know like it just I like if you don't know that that's true. When you struggle, you start to think you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, like, no, you're doing it right. It's hard for everyone, and uh, and like, all you can do is keep working and keep trying to be better. And so, like here, hatching Twitter, like, just because you have a lot of kind of a lot of um, uh, camps in that Twitter history, you know, an author is was able to come come in and expose a lot of the tensions there mm. and uh, but you know what that tension happened everywhere you know I feel like actually because of hatching Twitter other companies feel more comfortable sharing their own um, uh, tensions like I just read this great article about Larry Page and how he like hated uh, bringing in um, Eric Schmidt Right and how and I like I had no idea because they've never told the story that way before, huh. right? And uh, so like surprise, like Google had a lot of tension too at the beginning, right? Yep. And uh, and I think this, the article was about how Larry tried to fire like all the product managers at one 
point and actually told like called the all hands meeting and told them they were fired mm-hmm. and then and like you know the board stepped in and various other managers were like no 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 you're not fired you're going to work in this other organization for a little while and then eventually and then Eric moved from chairman to CEO and you know and like you know basically like Larry was super frustrated otherwise he wouldn't have been trying to fire that many people and the and he didn't know how to solve the problem and no one on the senior leadership team agreed with how he wanted to solve the problem and uh, you know like there was this really messy episode and I bet you there are tons of messy episodes like that in every single company totally so hatching Google um, where, where was that article by the way I need a you know just so I can find it and link it link to it in this post uh, I remember I feel like I'll look it up for you. Okay. I feel like I must have just read this in Hacker News. I'll find it. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think you know you, you talked about the, the struggle, and I don't know if you've read Ben Horowitz's book, um, The Hard yeah. Thing About Hard Things. So I, I yeah. think hatching Twitter ties directly into the struggle. I think we're talking about the struggle right now, and you're totally right. It happens to every company. Um, anyway, so you know, Tony, you know, thanks so much for joining us. Um, there's a lot of insights here, and definitely hope to have you on the show again sometime soon. All right, Eric. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Thank you.